Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the Nightingale Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as per usual, as ever. And uh, I'm going to be up front here. Me and Rob are quite happy today, uh, given everything kind of going around Man United. Off the back of, like, we last game lost to Nottingham Forest, but there's just a feeling for me and for Rob as well that things... We're on the right path, maybe, finally, because uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, Dave Brailsford have been visiting Old Trafford, mm. holding meetings with staff members, uh, doing the pitches with staff and football players and manager and this kind of thing, saying all the right things. And after years and years of making the same mistakes, it seems like, some people are coming into the club with the right ambition and the right reason. Uh, Rob, how are you feeling? Mm, quietly optimistic. And I think, again, like we use the P word all the time, process, process, process. And I get that that bores a lot of fans. Like, you know, detail can be the dullest part of football, can't it? You know, what you want is the ball to go in the back of the net. But... You've got to follow the process to get there, haven't you? And there's no doubt about it. The fan base divided about Jim Ratcliffe over a long period of time. Now Jim Ratcliffe is in the building. Jim Ratcliffe is speaking to the players. He's speaking to the manager. He's turned it into an open forum. So, yes, you're waiting for Premier League ratification, et cetera, et cetera. But you've now got a billionaire that supports Man United, that loves Man United, and said that for a while behind the scenes who is now, I think, going to show his hand a little bit more. So that's why I'm optimistic, Scott, because I think we've backed the Ten Hag project for 18 months, and I think we still back Ten Hag. We we like him as an individual. But this is a clean sheet for everyone now, isn't it? Clean slate. And you've got to now prove yourself at Man United. And I think that's the only way you can be in an elite business, in an elite football club. Results matter, performances matter, but you have to be able to dig below the surface, haven't you? And I think this is what Ineos are doing now, is that they're going to put in a, a, a process and a system where they can appraise every part of Manchester United. That's something we've not ever had under the Glazers, Scott. It's always been a little bit of like feel and fumble to try and get your way around a football club, and it hasn't worked. Yeah, so Dave Brailsford and Sir Jim Ratcliffe held an or essentially an audience with uh, yeah. each of them around uh, Old Trafford on the Thursday now, I think it was. Yeah. Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I'm losing track of my days. But that is already more than the last incumbents of the Sporting Project direction. Yeah, Joe, it's more and than Joe Blazer really. Yeah. They made I some think, appearances here yeah. and there at like FA Cup finals and big matches and this kind of thing, but very rarely. And as much as they said that they would start to be active and present they were not and now we're seeing a person coming in Sir Jim Ratcliffe that is with the intention as he said to a group of people to bring success back to United by creating an elite environment and uh it seems like I mean, for me, like it d depends on your time horizon. Obviously, for the rest of the season, that is anybody's guess how that's going to go. But for once, for me, it seems as though if that doesn't go right, for whatever reason, it will be replaced. Well, this, this process will be replaced with better planning. And I think it's going to take a while. It will. And I, <laughs> I would say everybody listening to this, regardless of what you think on Ratcliffe or... Uh, it, or Dave Brailsford, Ineos, this kind of thing. Uh, just be, you have to be patient with it. I've been, we've been saying be patient for a long, long time. But actually now, I have a bit of confidence that where United might be going is not further down. It might be a trend reversal. 
And do you know what? That's exactly the idea for Ineos here is a trend reversal. They're looking at things and they're saying, we know that this part of the football club is toxic. We know this part of the football club has completely fundamentally not worked. Yes, we recognise that United have done X amount in commercial revenues over a 10, 15 year period. That's not kind of why we're here. And that's obviously that was a big buzzword from from the stage show really here was that that Jim Ratcliffe's kind of said, I'm not in this to make any money. Like, obviously, Man United makes its money and I will, you know, I own, I own this amount of the football club. My job here is to win and to win football matches and create that elite environment. That's been the Ineos plan, I think, every business they've gone into. They've had the same focus that they, they go best in class, they restructure, they try to find ways to win and then they get there somewhere down the line. I, I understand that United fans will look at this and, it's, it's a strange way of doing business, isn't it? Is that someone comes in with a quarter share of a football club and then runs all the football side of it. But it's also fairly crystal clear, Scott, in terms of aspiration and how they want to do it. It's not it's not a big deal in terms of that. So I like it that they've turned up in the building and spoken directly to the players and the manager and said, OK, it's cool. We're here to support you. But let's see what you can do. The challenge no goes out to you guys. Because let's be honest, Scott, United have failed in the last few months on the football pitch. Last year was a success for your plans to get in the top four and you won a trophy. But every season it's reset, isn't it? And and we're in the ma- middle of a bad period. So I think for Eric Ten Hag, he would have the support at board level. But I think he's skating on thin ice. I, think I really do. Because I think Ineos, if they feel that replacing the manager wins you more games, guess what happens? Click your finger, they will have someone in the building doing their work for them. I do realise that there is a lot of, oh no, um, we replaced the manager, but I don't like the next guy. <clears throat> we we said this, right? We've been saying this for a long time, actually. Yeah. If so, if you're if you're fully ready for Ten Hag to go, just be aware that Graham Potter is going to be the next person. Yes. I mean, barring then they're not going for Zidane, guys. They they they're just not. No. They're not going for Conte. They're going for someone who can fit into their structure. Antonio Conte has fallen out with every single club, essentially, that he's ever worked for. <laughs> yeah. uh, Graham Potter's obviously been at Chelsea and failed. He did. And I, I have my own reservations about that because he couldn't really deal with the characters in the Chelsea dressing room. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't really convince them. And what hope do you have at, of succeeding at United with all the egos in that dressing room? But also think about this. Are these not going to tolerate ego to that extent? So it might make it a little bit easier. I just have a little bit more confidence that I know Chelsea has spent a billion quid, that kind of thing, with a a lot of brashness. I feel like this is just my gut feeling. Maybe it's a hopeful one, this this kind of thing, but I feel like they'll do it, do things a little bit more measured, get people in who have have experience. It's not gonna be just a gym making all these decisions himself, but he put people in place with experience to go and make the decisions for him. Mm. And the manager will have to be a part of that. And if it turns out that it's not Eric Ten Hag, you know, going along for the journey with them, then that's that's how it has to be. Um I like Ten Hag as, as as Rob said, but everybody should be in a position where they have to prove themselves. Everybody from from this point forward. And that includes the manager. Yeah. Like every single player, every every staff member, this kind of thing. So, um, you know, I'm feeling happier today. Yeah, I think it will just be run like a proper football club now. And it hasn't been. And this is why you have failed so miserably over the years, is that you've bought players, you have recruited, you've recruited really badly, you've had managers, you've sacked managers, you've kept going through that process. But now you do have an entity at the very top of the pyramid that will give direction and support. Those two things are really important from management. It's not just about being dictators and saying, we'll do this and do that. There is part of that. But do you know what, Scott? If you if you run the shop and your name is above the shop now and you go into your shop and you just stand at the front there and go, well, it kind of looks all right, off we go again. That's kind of the glazer way of doing it. Then you're going to get into trouble. You need to walk around every part of the shop and run your finger along the shelves and go, is there dust there? Can we impact that tiny shelf there? That's how elite business people do their jobs. 
at the very highest level. You don't leave stones unturned. But Man United, Scott, it's been a process of just pretending, pretense. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, look at our but revenues. Ri- Richard Ar- yeah, we'll talk about revenues. And ri- Richard mm. Arnold said in his one of his most recent meetings before he left, uh, maybe at the start of the season it was, that we feel like we're pushing Man City closer. Look That's where we joke. are now. Yeah. It, sorry, Rob, it, I interrupted you. No, sorry, mate. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I, I just think, you know, that that kind of their example, that analogy of, of a shop front is like when you look at a business, you do have to look at everything. Like, you know, if there's a stain on a carpet down there. Guess what? That's your job. Sort it out. Don't don't leave the stain there to be there for, for a year. That carpet looks awful. And every customer that walks in the door sees it. Fix it. Do it now. So I think that's going to be United's attitude under Ineos is a can-do attitude, is that they will go, do you know what? This player is a problem. We're not going to let him sit in the building for six months and make everyone else upset while he chats to them over dinner. We're going to get him at the football club. So we'll be talking about one player like that who will probably be gone by the time you listen to this, obviously Mm -hmm. in Jadon Sancho. But it applies for everyone, doesn't it, Scott? You go all the way back to Ronaldo, where Ronaldo was there, toxicity in the football club. You have to look at every individual player now and say, does this player help you win? And as I've said for years, if one player doesn't help you win, gone, get rid. Doesn't matter who they are, get them out the door. So I think that's where we'll go now in the next few weeks and months is that Ineos will look at that structure and say, right, okay, no one stays here unless you help us win. And we're not interested in ego. If you've got an ego and you've got an opinion, yeah, tell us, but you don't get to tell us what to do. We tell you what to do. We're in charge now. And that will mean that it breaks apart that structure, like you said, at Chelsea. So I think if you do go with the Graham Potter, you give Graham Potter carte blanche for a year or two and you say, right, we get rid of the egos. We bring in players who are egoless and are here to win for Manchester United. And we build from the ground up, from the foundations. And I think that's kind of where the crossroads is for Ten Hag, because he has to win games to convince them that he's the guy to do that. Just on, you mentioned revenues a minute ago. Mm. Um and I, I know that there's a lot of criticism in maybe some people. Oh, he's just here for to make some more money out of United. Ineos, according to their website, generate revenues of $65 billion. Hmm. Or have generated revenues of $65 billion, whereas Man United's expected revenue is about $650 million quid a year. Yes. Really? Tiny. tiny. <laughs> it's an absolute <coughs> tiny... Uh, maybe I'm I'm not. Maybe I'm I'm taking the whole figure from Ineos versus uh, you know versus United. But yeah, so Jim obviously has put 1.3 billion or however much has been into United to take the stake that he's got. Yeah. Um, but I think what he reaffirmed in his meeting was how just how much like this is not about the money for him, and it's about. As we've said, Rob, it's, it's about legacy, this this kind of thing. So yeah. he's actually gone and like various reports have suggested that he said the football team's been failing for the past decade along these lines and the Ineos era is determined to bring success by creating an elite environment and Old Trafford and Carrington improvements as well as the $300 million of additional funding which he's uh, put in already is only the start of the support that he will be providing. We've already mentioned in the past and, uh, you know, of, of different appointments. Jean-Claude Blanc's been there with United, oh, yeah. with, with the representation over the past few days. Uh, there's been pictures eking out on social media over the past few days as well. And obviously, it's now pretty common knowledge that he wants a sporting director, an experienced sporting director, and a head of recruitment, as we've been saying for about six months. weeks, two months. <laughs> Feels like a long time, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much accepted out there now. And we don't know who those people will be yet. We know that obviously Dan Ashworth is is very much wanted, as we explained a yeah. few weeks ago. Whether they get him, who knows? That's something they're going to probably look at start starting to try and put in motion if they're not already uh, once the ratification you know goes through. And I, maybe this will take a few months to play out. Whoever they end up getting, but the fact of the matter is, it seems like Man United will have people in place over the next few months who know what they're doing. It is... What a breath of fresh air that is. 
and motivated to to win. Like I think mm-hmm. this is it, Scott. It's again that <clears throat> excuse me from coughing my way through another show. But I think when you look at at United structure, was there really in the last ten years a motivation to win? Like you've got a lot of players and managers on big contracts. You've got executives that know nothing about football. And then when you put all that together, why should the football arm, the players, the manager, listen to anyone upstairs who've got no experience in sport at all? And like you just mentioned, Richard Arnold. Like Richard Arnold couldn't do what Ineos did yesterday and stand on a stage because why would you listen to him? Like, who are you? You you don't know anything about our business. So I think that this is where the, the positivity now comes from, is that Ineos are not doing this, Jim Ratcliffe are not doing this, to just be a part of it. You know, they're not spectators and they're not here for profit. They are here to win because their separate agenda, Scott, is to show the world as well, look what we can do. This is what Ineos Sport is about. Now, you can question that about greenwashing, and I think that's a deeper conversation. And I do think they're all valid conversations. I really, really do. But the core of this is a billionaire, the second richest guy in the country, who's been a Man United fan since he was a kid, wanting to kind of show that his last stand at Old Trafford is to rebuild the building, rebuild Manchester United, and to win. And when I'm leaving this planet, I'm leaving this football club as the dominant football club once again, and that's my legacy. So I think United fans are on board with that. Like I think United fans that want to win are all right with that, Scott. Like You can talk about the politics too blue in the face, but I think that that setup is where fans are accepting that this is this is guy who's going to put his money in now. And we'll judge him as we go along, won't we? Like, you know, if he makes bad decisions, we will call it out. We're not here to, you know, you know, fly the flag for, for new owners. We are here to fly the flag for Manchester United and represent the football team. So that's where we stand. So I'm all right with that. I feel good at that. And that's why months ago, we've always said this, Scott, that we wanted someone to be in charge in that manner. We'll see how this uh, this unfolds, uh, but you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, the Promised Land and Manchester United podcast, <clears throat> like this video and every one that we've ever done. Uh, subscribe, yes, leave a comment, hit the notification bell so you never miss a show as well. Just a big thanks again to everybody who continues to uh, stick with us, watch us, uh, get in touch with us on social, comment on the show, th- this kind of thing. We do, we do see them and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice. And hopefully we could be moving in a New Year's resolution. Maybe we can be moving in a positive direction uh, and speak more positively in spite of stuff that's happening on the pitch. Bigger picture, things might be getting better. And when Rob says dominant force, they're not just going to assume the position that United were in the 90s and the 2000s. But at least you're back in that conversation. That's I think that's all anybody can ever want. Nobody, no team's got a divine right to win the league every year. No. But just if you do everything that you can do in order to put yourself in that position, it, like <coughs> Jurgen, Rob Jurgen Klopp's won seven, uh, um, won one Premier League title, one Champions League, and he's been there for seven, eight years. Yeah, he's yeah. God in Liverpool because mm. he's put them in that conversation. I was about to say, use that as the example, because this is not about just usurping Manchester City. Like Manchester City's project going back has had a lot of investment, has had a lot of structure and they they went down the football route. And yes, they are, you know, the, the, the kings of the world now, aren't they? As the treble winners. That's your aim. But your real aim is to go catch Liverpool and Arsenal. Because Arsenal have kind of shown, you know, they're a grand old football club in the 1970s, you know, one nil to the Arsenal playing the offside trap. Here you go, play, go through the Wenger years, have some some success, but then fall off the mountain. Liverpool, exactly the same. Do you know what I mean? Going through the 80s and the 90s, dominant force, then falling away. Man United have, have absolutely followed that structure, haven't they? That's what's happened to them is that they dominate for 25 years. And now they can't win anything, you know, maybe some minor trophies. So I think they're looking at Liverpool. They're looking at kind of the, the Fenway project there. And they look and they go, right, we can do this with structure and with expertise. Might take a bit longer, but we can get somewhere where we're then now talking about top two, top three comfortably. And that means that if City fall off a little bit and we we go forward a little bit more, guess what? We've got a little bit of parity. That's where Arsenal are, aren't they? You know, people are talking about mini, mini slumps for Arsenal at the moment. 
sorry, Arsenal still there in the conversation to win a title, aren't they? And Liverpool, I don't think they've been fantastic, but there they are at the top of the tree because they're managing their resources. So that's what I want, Scott. I want a Man United that manages its own resources properly. Do you know what I want? I want to be able to talk about a manager's position and whether he should be in it without any other circumstances affecting his position. Totally. Yeah. With no, without the political <laughs> jargon that goes sw- yeah. swims around at the top of the pool at Man United, because you just sink so fast. And th- this has been the problem: is that managers have been sacked through that process, through results and losing games and issues with players and all of this. And this is why I don't live in the player power world because I think if you run a football club properly, player power does not exist. It doesn't. You're, you hold the power. If you don't like players that don't do certain things, don't run around, don't score your goals. Don't, guess what? You've got the chance to get rid of them always, every day of the week. You can move that. You can ring an agent up and say, get your player out of this football club. We don't want him anymore. And you can start a process to get rid of them. So I, I, that's what I want here, Scott. And I think Ten Hag will appreciate that, is that he's not stupid. He understands that results will keep him either in his job or lose him his job. And I think that's where he is now. He'll also be totally aware, Scott, of the rumours around Graham Potter. He'll absolutely know yeah, totally. that yeah. Graham Potter is sat there maybe wringing his hands, going, I'm ready. Like, you ring, I'm, I'm waiting for the phone call. And, yeah, in the meantime, another job might come up and I might look at that and go, OK, let's do that. But that's the guy they want and that's where we're going if Eric Ten Hag fails. Got two big fixtures coming up here now, Scott, in Wigan and Tottenham. They are very much must-wins. Like, I know we've said that so many times for Man United, but he is now performing for his job in front of these owners that are going to be visible at football matches. They are not going to hide away in islands across the world. They're going to be at Old Trafford and they're going to be talking about redeveloping Old Trafford and redeveloping this team in real time. Yeah, follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, Instagram, TikTok, at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube and at TPL MUFC as well. But yeah, we will talk about Eric Ten Hag because he... Spoke positively in his pre-match press conference. We're not going to do any Wigan chat today because it's on Monday night and it's miles away. And to be frank, there's bigger picture stuff, which is probably, it's not more important. The football's always the most important thing, but probably more relevant for us to to discuss now rather than a game that's going to happen in four days. Yeah. Um, Ten Hag said the meetings essentially, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but the meetings were positive. They They agree on a lot of things. But we had some debates about how things should go. Maybe that's just... Maybe they did debate. I don't know. Mm. Uh, but maybe it's a choice of words that he's maybe maybe got wrong. But it's it's debate is healthy, right? Totally. Um, but at the same time, obviously, there's been a lot of speculation, really, about... It's, it's pretty well documented about how Ten Hag has wanted his say on transfers and this kind of mm. thing and the players that he brings in. And obviously United have gone so far down that road that they've signed a lot of players that Ten Hag has previously worked with and now they're turning out to be duds. Um, but what will happen at some point when we do get a new sporting director, a new head of, head of recruitment, as is with modern football nowadays, I think a manager should be a part of that decision-making process about which players they sign, but he should, that manager should not be in charge of transfers you know no. it's, this isn't the 90s this isn't the early 2000s this isn't this isn't sir alex ferguson this kind of thing um and i think a lot of us were advocates for ten Hag taking some more ownership on that when he was appointed because Definitely. we knew of the structure above him yeah totally that's exactly what like because you can't change anything else it was the next best changing. thing it was <laughs> yeah. the next best thing yeah, so totally. where, where if people are th- to throw in your face, oh, you you advocated for Ten Hag to get all this transfer power, and you know, um, it's these haven't worked out. Anthony's transfer was an absolute disaster. This this kind of thing, but you asked for that. Well, because it was the next best thing from installing a sporting director and a head of recruitment, which is now what United appear to be doing. Mm. So that process changes. That is going to work along the lines of how a modern football club should work. Yes. You're moving towards a, a mass... A, a Bright, Brighton are a great example. Man, Man City are fantastic examples of how recruitment and planning and integrating the coach works in modern football. If United can, I'm not saying emulate that kind of structure, but just move into a modern, modern way of thinking 
along those lines, they should be much better off. But it's going to take a few years because there's a lot of contracts, which we'll talk about in a second as well, which need to be dealt with. Um, but Ten Hag now is in a proving ground to keep his job. And some things that might happen in the next few months might be going against what he previously agreed to. And if that turns out to be a, a real problem, then maybe we do have a problem. Mm-hmm. But for the greater good of the club, no manager should have that much power. Totally. And, and, and I think that that might be where the crossroads is a problem with this manager, is that he was recruited and brought to the football club to kind of do this quasi-director of football, stroke manager, stroke everything role. <clears throat> and that was the role he wanted. You know, he went to Man United to his job interview with a big, thick dossier saying, this is why your football club is really rubbish. And I, this is what I can do for you. And he wanted that responsibility. He understood the structure under the Glazers and what his job would be. But I do think here, Scott, that he will be having stripping back his layers of responsibility because every football club does it the same way or proper football clubs. You don't have a manager anymore. There's no such thing as a manager. They're coaches, head mm-hmm. coaches. Your job is to look after the first team. And your job's not even to look after the youth team anymore. Like you don't look after the 16-year-olds and develop them, do you? I remember when um, Lou Van Gaal came to the football club and he was questioned about exactly that. And they said, you know, other football clubs, you've, you've built the academies and you've done this and you've done that. And he was like, well, I'm here for two or three years. Why would I be bothered about that kind of stuff? I'm here to win and I'm the head coach. And that's where we were at that point in time. I think when Jose Mourinho came in, you know, classical head coach, they gave him Ibrahimovic, Pogba, uh, Mkhitaryan, Baye, all in the, in the blink of an eye, yeah? And then they went, oh, well, you're not very good anymore until you're someone that sack you. So that whole process does not work. And that's the process I don't think we'll have with Ineos anymore. So I think the thing for Eric Ten Hag is that he'll either have to accept this kind of reduced terms, like he's not going to lose any money. He's just going to have his job role slightly changed. But I actually think that's all right. I think, you know, I don't think he should be going to Holland to recruit former players or players that he liked in the Eredivisie. Like, no, it, it works to a certain extent. But if you want to keep moving on, how can you be a manager and build a whole football club? Like, it's impossible. So I, I like the idea of him being the head coach. And that's it. You know, he can communicate with Ineos and then Ineos make those sporting decisions. Uh, just as we record this, uh, Simon Stone from the BBC has updated the BBC Sport mm. live blog with a line. So Dave Brailsford told Man United staff that Ineos will take over the club's football operations. So that 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 is pretty much as... Yeah. Outside, of an, uh, outside of an official statement, that is pretty much as official, official. Yeah. <laughs> as, you, as you can get, really. Yes. So anyone saying, oh, well, Joel Glazer's actually going to have the final decision, what's actually going to change, just have a bit of faith. <laughs> you know, that Ineos would not be buying as much of a stake in Man United if they were having to answer to Joel Glazer. They simply wouldn't doesn't make any sense. Do, do you think these billionaires like work like that? Do you think they're just like, they know that they have to do certain amount of dancing on the dance floor to get where they want to be with people. But we know what this deal is. And the deal is you put 1.3 billion in and you're buying the football team. So he's bought the football team. He knows that it's his football team. So of course the Glazers will be there in name on the board. But as we're seeing in this moment here, and it's an important moment, Scott, you know, turning up at Carrington, turning up at Old Trafford and saying visually, this is our place now. It's not the guys from Florida. Like, yes, they'll take some of their profits, but we're actually telling you straight, we're not interested in profits. We're not here for profit because I make billions out of that oil, petrol, horrible company over there. That's what I get my money from. That's where I make my cash. And I'm going to put this cash now into different sectors. And of course, football is one of them. So this is what he's doing with Man United. I always think, Scott, as well, with Dave Brailsford, the fact that he was there in the initial talks in the very first days when they turned up at Old Trafford to do that photo shoot, really, was that it was pretty clear with Ineos their strategy. And they were like, if we can take this over, we think we can make this good. Like, we we believe the resources are here. It's just that they're being used wrong. And that we, mm-hmm. we you know, we will put money in. But, you know, if they put in, I don't know, Scott, £500 million in transfers in two years, that's actually quite a small amount when you spread it out over time. 
they're not that bothered about that. They've got the cash to put the money in. He's not putting 500 million in to go, when do I get that 500 million back? He's thinking, if I put that 500 million in, can Man United get 10 more points this season? And that's as basic as that. And that's where Ineos are. So, yeah, they want to grow United, but they want to grow it from the grass, from the football pitch. They're not trying to grow it because of another shirt deal or another kind of tractor partnership, as I called it the other week, that Man United have been so motivated to do over the last 10 years. This is now about winning. I can still do them. You still do them? Of course you will. And you actually say to that department... Carry on. More. <laughs> yeah, like, do you know what? Like, I always said that about Ed Woodward, is that Woodward was, was a master at commercial deals and you couldn't knock him for going to Adidas and stealing all their cash. Like, yeah, well done. That's kind of part of your job. But the problem is that cash that you're bringing into the football club, don't then redistribute it on a load of rubbish players. Like, you know, find a better way. And that was the problem, is that people have specialist roles and you keep them there. That's what you do. It's same with the coach. Eric Ten Hag should not be coming in, going through 100 players with the scouting team, going, right, that's the player we have to pick. It should be the other way around. Scouting team should be going, we've found you the perfect player at centre-back here. So you don't have to argue about getting Kim Min-Jae. You know, we'll get rid of Varane. We'll get rid of this player. But this is the player you want. And this player we've seen at other football clubs. We've we've looked at all of them. We've talk, talked to the clubs, looked at their methodology, how this player is developed. This is the player you want. And then Ten Hag can have his say. It shouldn't be the other way around. It shouldn't be Ten Hag telling a recruitment department, go spend me a few hundred million pl- uh, pound on these players. Oh, I like Anthony because he's paid for me. So whatever the money, 80 million, 90 million, whatever you want to, you do it, just get me the player. That's not a great way of running a football club. Yeah, so Ten Hag is in approving. Yes, the the good the good thing is Casemiro, Lisandro Martinez back in training last few days. Yeah, as much as you can criticize Ten Hag, yeah, United have had a lot of injuries, and he's he's probably had to deal with. I I think Martinez is personally probably United's most important defender. Per, personally, maybe, maybe outside undoubtedly, of Luke but undoubtedly, in terms of their progress up the pitch mm. and their style and their intensity, this kind of thing, he's been without him for. The back end of last season, as well as the entirety of this season. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Barring a couple of matches where he was rushed back in. And it looked like he wasn't playing well at the time. You could tell he was carrying an injury. And it turns out he was out for another three, four months because of that injury. So, because that wasn't dealt with properly. That shouldn't happen. No. You know? this. That, why? Why has that happened? Why has he been rushed back without recovering properly? It's You're negligent. Bad, bad football club. That's what it is. Anyway, uh, so Ten Hag will have more players back, hopefully, unless they get injured again. Mm. Um, but he has to turn things around on the pitch, and I think that will be what Ten Hag's job is for the rest of the season. And, and for if everyone. results don't improve massively, then a change mm. might happen. Yeah, A change will happen. A change will happen if he if he can't win games. Like I think the other side of this, Scott, in the last two days of Ineos being in the building, as I call it, is that they're making it crystal clear that this is an open process, <clears throat> and that the only goal here is to progress and win more football matches and win more trophies and go in that way. And I think anyone that stops you doing that, whether that be your manager, an individual player, whether it's Caff on reception that she ain't doing her job anymore, and it'll be like Caff, we've loved you for 30, 40, 50 years, but do you know what? We need someone else on reception who can who can man these calls better than you. Then then I think they're gonna they're gonna do that because they've got this clean slate. So with Eric Ten Hag, he's going to now be doing really, let's be honest, a different role. 
He's now the head coach of the football team. He's no longer the manager of the football club or the kind of quasi-director of football. He might like that. He might hate it. Who knows? But if he doesn't win football matches, there's nothing more sure in football that you get sacked. Nothing more sure. You're not. They're not going to stick with someone unless they're seeing real gains behind the scenes that this manager is adding value to their project. And let's be honest, I think the jury's out on that. I think United fans are a little bit like, we like Eric Ten Hag, but the football isn't very good, is it? That's exactly what Jim Ratcliffe will be thinking. Just get ready, because Graham Potter's going to be next. <laughs> it's Graham Potter. Like, there's no doubt about Just... it. I call it... I called it a done deal and I'm sticking by it. Like he's their guy. He's the guy that they will look going forward to be someone that progressively can take Man United forward as a head coach, Scott. And there might be someone else that jumps in the scene that that they develop or or grab and go, actually, we like that guy. Like, you know, you just said they're about director of football and we've talked about Dan Ashworth a lot. Now it could be a Dougie Freeman. It could be someone like that where they go, well, this guy is maybe not at the top of his stock, but we actually really like his body of work for several years and we've had an eye on him and we'd quite like to take him and drop him into our project. That might won't get people excited, will it? And I think that's where we are with the manager. You're not going to get a Mourinho. You're not going to get a Van Gaal, these Hall of Fame coaches. You're going to get someone who works with an administration. It's Graham Potter. He, you know, I think Ineos would like to take him and develop him over like 10 or 15 years to be one of their guys strategically. And that's kind of where we stand with this football club. You're not getting a, a sexy manager off the back of this. Maybe a Deserby. Hey, but- Graham Potter's sexy manager. You see his glow up, Rob? <laughs> that was my Christmas. I said, I think I've said this on the podcast already. My Christmas party just back end of last year. Yeah. My you mate Graham from work went as Eric Ten Hag with the flat cap. I went as Graham Potter. The joke is Man United's current and next manager. Yeah going to happen. I was worried at, at Chelsea with Graham Potter, you know, is that when he went to Chelsea, he immediately had a style makeover. And I was like, don't do that. Don't go Why? there and be all West London. Like, go there and be you. Like, you're there because so wear your, wear your horrible top, be like you did at Brighton, wear your tracky tops and say, yeah, I'm nah, a tracky manager. He's got to look the part, man. He's got to look nah, the part. Oh, look, look, like we've talked before, haven't we, about beard styling off camera. And yeah, you go and do it because you want to do it for yourself because you sit in front of a screen. And poor Graham Potter, he's there complete Rio redo on everything he looks like, but your football's disastrous. So it's kind of like, get the football side right. So I'm not interested in an image. Like, I know at Man United, we're obsessed with that. I think, you know, fans are as well when the club is. But I do think someone like Graham Potter will fit strategically what Potter or, or what Ratcliffe wants to do. And that is, that's not just feelers or intuition. That is something that is tangible behind the scenes. And we'll definitely hear more about that if United lose football matches. I think that will happen very, very quickly if you lose the next two or three or or it looks terrible. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your pods. As I've said already, leave a comment for us on your thoughts on Graham Potter. Mm-hmm. Because just get ready for it. I'm, I'm just telling you, just just get ready. Like if, if you're if if you're in the camp of shouting for Eric Ten Hag to leave on social media, just be aware of what's coming next. That's all I'll say. Just be aware. Anyway, um, it feels like the voice of doom here. Like, you know, what's coming. <laughs> so do you know what? Someone actually uh, tweeted uh, us, both of us said, oh, I don't like it in the last show that like Rob and Scott are running down Graham Potter. Like, I think he's a really good manager, etc." I like Graham Potter. We're not running down Graham Potter. We're not running down. Like he was absolutely on my shortlist of managers that I wanted when Eric Ten Hag was taken on. So I don't know why that sounds like we're running him down. What we're saying is that, you are getting Graham Potter next. So either prepare for that or back the manager that's there already. So just know that these things are, are interconnected. They're not separate. There are a timeline and we are following the timeline. So, you know, I, I think if he came in, I would absolutely be saying, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's give him a go because he is a really good coach. Like he has got acumen. It's just that he's not the sexiest name. He's not someone that will frighten world football. They're not going to go, oh, you said you mentioned Conte. One thing Ineos will look at Conte with and go, he's taken loads of money out of every football club he's been at because they've had to pay him off everywhere. And that's millions and millions and millions of pounds. Right, we won't do that. We're not doing that with that guy. He might win you a trophy one year, but then the next year he's taking 10 million quid off you in wages and walking out the door, a bit like Mourinho used to do and still kind of does. But yeah, Potter's the guy. Potter will be the next one in, in, in tow. And we will be having a more salient project. That will be they'll be trying to slow it down and try and build the football club one brick at a time. It's 
probably the right thing to do. This house has blown down so many times, Scott. You've got to make sure it doesn't do it again. Just on, on Graham Potter myself, I like Graham Potter. I think he got a really raw deal at Chelsea. But Very there was much. a lot of circumstances out of his control. And I think that United should, if they are to do a, a similar kind of thing, in the sense of like I think the way it was referred to to me like this the way they're going to structure things is like Chelsea but a bit scaled back yes. in the sense of not as many people making decisions not as many people doing the same job I think yes. Chelsea have two sporting directors I had like four at yeah. one point <laughs> you, you don't you don't need to but like yeah. a concentrated group of people who are doing the right thing and I think Graham Potter made a very very big point a lot of the quite often saying I'm not really part of the decision-making process on transfers. But he like very much dis- says every week. He distanced himself. He yeah. really consciously distanced himself because he saw what was going wrong on the pitch. Yeah. They didn't really take off. And yeah, I understand. He failed at Chelsea. He absolutely did. Definitely. Um, but that doesn't mean he's a bad coach. He's a great and coach. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I couldn't sit here and say that Graham Potter will be the absolute right person to take Man United back un- under this new project. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But I think he's a good coach and he had a raw deal at Chelsea. Yeah, I don't think it's I've anyone all, in the world. Also, yeah, just just uh, another thing as well. I've also said on this pod, Graham Potter had a history at Brighton of m- making them play good football but not finish finish chances, which is akin to United. Really, they don't make as many chances as uh, as you'd have liked, but the yeah. conversion rate is still awful. Yeah, at present this season. So, what's he actually going to affect and change? Yeah, but you know if. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people up in arms saying, oh my God, Graham Potter, this club is finished. No, that, that, honestly, people love to live in doom and gloom. Just give it a chance. Just give it a chance. People and, just love hey, to live in gloom. We might, even not, we might not even make that point. Maybe Eric Ten Hag magically turns things around in a structure. And we everyone talks about styles of play, this kind of thing. Oh, look at Deserby's style of play at Brighton. Graham Potter had a style of play at, style of play at Brighton. Yeah. But Ten Hag has no style of play at United. He had a style of play at Ajax. Mm. He did. <laughs> uh, so, you know, let's just see how it plays out. You've got to. You've got to just see it. And, you know, I said earlier on the P word process, where the P word is patience as well. And you have to be patient in the sense that you might not see what you want to see on a football pitch when you turn your telly on or if you go to Old Trafford. So you might stand there and go, Ah, this hurts. But there will be more pain, another P word here, to be able to get you through this process. You have to be like that. You have to be open to stuff changing. And also, at the same time, giving people chances now, haven't you? So I think like Eric Ten Hag will have a fair crack of the whip. I'm sure he will. But they're also looking at his body of work, Scott, for 18 months. So this is part of the appraisal process, is that they'll look at that and go, well, we like some of that, but we don't like all of this. I think that's why Eric used the word debate yesterday. Because I do think that they'll be saying to him, Okay, you have had this support, and the support will be four hundred million pounds worth of transfers. It's like quite a lot of support in many ways. The problem is, is that the structure to buy those players wasn't in place. I think Ineos will admit that, and they'll say, right, okay, this is where we can help you and add value to your your football team. But I do think also with Eric Ten Hag is that he's been trying to build the football club on his own for eighteen months in a way, and it might feel a bit weird to him that he's now being asked to be Deserby or he's being asked to be a Potter where he scales back that responsibility. I don't know if he'll want that or not. I just, I really don't know. Ajax, he had a very robust structure around him and, and he could be the head coach. And he was very much down the food chain, even though he had a voice. I, I look at Manchester United now and I, and I do think, I think they'll be looking at things and going, okay, well, if the manager is not affecting winning in a positive way, if, if like your bottom of the scoring charts... They're not going to look at Potter's chart from, from before. They're going to be looking at the whole thing. And can they bring in a coach that can get his players playing better? You said just a minute ago, Scott, just to, to grab this point, about b- managing big personalities. I've always had a thing about this because I've heard this so many times over the times. Like, like Zidane, you win a trophy you win a trophy because mm-hmm. he manages um, big p- personalities and he has responsibilities and all of that. I think football clubs today look at coaching. If you get someone who can absolutely coach the backside of people and get you going in, in a certain direction, jobs are good. Un. But if you can't do that, like, and I think this is where Eric Ten Hag is a question at the moment. Has he coached these players correctly, individuals? Has he managed the Jaden Sancho situation well in terms of people development? There are all of these little cases now. 
that he's going to get judged on and it will come down to results. So I think Graham Potter, they would go for him because they probably believe that he can take 20 players and coach the backsides off them and get them somewhere and playing a better form of football. Graham Potter plays 3-4-3 at Brighton. People didn't think that formation could work in the Premier League. He showed it can, it can work. Now other teams play it. So I think that they look at him and they see him as maybe as a figurehead that they can put into the football club and to have authority in both tactically and with development. Right, let's move on to players. Yes. <clears throat> now, we'll do contracts first and maybe do, yes. do Jaden Sancho at the end. Um, so, lots of news this week because there's a lot of players in the first team out of contract at the end of this current season, June 2024. Three contracts have been extended. Yes. Year options. Victor Lindelof, Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Martial and Rafa Varane are in discussions if you're listening to me, if you're listening on an audio platform i'm doing grab quotes with my fingers are in discussions about extending their contracts do you remember what eric ten hag said about ronaldo <laughs> the fact like uh there's been some media over the past few days saying eh, it's a big surprise isn't it but anthony martial's going to sign a new contract no no he isn't no he, he's isn't. not he's not going to people like that that there's a number of ways that you can summarize how Man United have failed as a as a business as reflected in their transfers and their contracts over the last 10, 11 years. And Anthony Martial is one name on a very, very, very long list of players. Jaden Sancho is as well, on a yeah. very long list of players that kind of represents the failures in that department. Um <clears throat> let's do the the extensions first. Lindelof, Wambasaka, Hannibal extended by a year. I personally think, Rob, that that's just to bide some time. I think there is a market for Victor Lindelof. People, people last week were saying, "Oh, um, you extend Lindelof's one, but not not Rafa Varane's." Well, Rafa Varane's probably on tw- two to three x the money that Victor Lindelof is on. Yeah, exactly. So that is immediately more difficult a contract to offload. Yes, he's a better player than Victor Lindelof is, but I, it's been interesting, Victor Lindelof from clubs in Italy for a while and this kind of, this kind of thing. will probably work quite well in a back three at Inter, for example, or you know this kind of thing. I think there's a market for Wan-Bissaka. You're losing money on him, you will, or mm-hmm. you can... It just gives you a few extra months to uh, consider whether you want him to be a part of the long-term project. Mm-hmm. And Hannibal, I think there's questions, but obviously it's a, a youth product. And I think he will play football at a relatively high standard even if it's not at United and they mm-hmm. can actually sell him if they want to or if they want him to be a squad member they can make that decision, kick the can down the line a, a little bit longer and make that decision later. What What are your thoughts on those three contracts to start? I think that the ones that they've extended were obvious ones in the sense that you do have to protect their value and it also buys you time like you said there and that is, that's the way you do it in business is that if you've got the option you take the option. The whole point about um, Ineos and looking at the wage structure and we've said this on this show 50 times so let's say it for a 51st time. Their first objective here is to get rid of bad contracts. Now wan um, Hannibal uh, and Lindelof are not on bad contracts. So I would say Lindelof's on a lot of money for what he is, you know, kind of on like what mid 150s. I think that's like madness for a player of his standard. Um, wan obviously was an expensive signing at 50 million. And you have to think about what return you get on him if you sold him back, say, to Crystal Palace for like 2025. And that's what would happen. Uh, but I think when you look at Martial and you look at Varane, these are two players that don't play a lot of minutes. Yeah, they're both injured quite often that suck a ton of money out of your football club every single week. And you can't then reuse that money for other players, younger players who might come to the football club on 50 grand or 100 grand a week or 150. You can't build the project, can you, unless you move these players out? So obviously yesterday there was a lot of speculation around the fact that Martial, oh, he's going to get a new deal or they're going to trigger his deal. No, they're not. They're not going to do that. It's not what they're doing. And they have never been doing that. And that's never been the kind of port of call in the last six months when this whole thing has been developing slowly behind the scenes is that they want to get rid of players that are causing problems in terms of the wage bill and the football team. Players have to help you win, first and foremost. Jaden Sancho, sat in the building for six months, has not helped you win. Guess what? 
he's going to Borussia Dortmund. So that's how you do it. And you do it quickly. You don't mess around. And he was in the building. And he has gone, right, goodbye, Jaden. And obviously, that's one thing. But they'll do the same to Martial. And they'll do the same to Varane. I think the other thing is, Scott, is that Varane and Martial both know that as it stands, they're not really favoured to get picked. You know, they're not starting games. They're at the end, you know. Anthony Martial's been ill for three and a half weeks. He's, he's been ill for like three and a half years. Like, you know, this, this yeah, is the problem. Actually, that's true, yeah. Like, 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 the, the, the problem Since is, he signed his last contract, he's been ill. I, I literally <laughs> watch him and he'll have 20 good minutes and you go, oh, you know, there's the old Anthony there. I, saw, I remember that guy coming on for his debut against Liverpool in front of me, jigging there like that, curling the ball in the top corner and us all going, wow. 50 million down the drain. No, look at that. We've not been there for a long time. So we have to stop we have to stop living in fantasy and the past and live in reality. And the reality is, is that Ineos will look at that and go, hang on a second. These two guys take home about half a million pound a week between them, with not more. We can't do that. You know, you, 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 there are younger players out there that will take smaller salaries that will be just as effective and if not better. So that's where we're going. So those two guys will be gone. I think, I think Varane... It won't be short of offers in terms of where he can go and continue his career. He'll only stay at Man United, Scott, if he really gets convinced that there's a new manager that likes him and that he's not actually too bothered about taking reduced terms. But normally players at the end of their career in their 30s don't really want to do that with their contracts. They don't want to wind them down too early because... They see the MLS in the background or now they now they see Saudi, don't they? And they say, oh, more money. So I think that's the place for, for Varane is that he knows he can't play every week, but he wants to be in the manager's plans. And we also do know Eric Tenog doesn't really want to play him. And he doesn't really want to play Anthony Martial, does he? So this is why Rasmus Hoyland has been rammed into the ground because you can't play Martial. He plays for 20 minutes and he gets injured. So you've had to let the kid play instead and take all the flack. So same at centre-back, isn't it, this year? Could have bought Kim Min Jae. Wouldn't be having these conversations. You know, you'd have just a, a better player to be able to use it. You said about Lissandra Martinez. You know, is there going to be a big weight on his shoulders when he comes back? Because he's going to be expected to carry the defence and also play progressive football and run the ball out from the back and all of that. So that's a big thing to come. But I do think with Varane, I do think with Martial, no, there's no negotiations happening. They're just saying you're not going to get anything like the money you're on at the moment. And that's good. I mean, the, that's only the start of the problems, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said many times the wage structure at the club is is so infinitely blown up in comparison to what it should be relative to United's position yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. There's no way the the cap on or the, the ceiling should be 350, 400. No. No way. Not Absolutely for, not, no way. Not with this bunch. Absolutely not. And that, that's the problem is that I think there's like an intercompetition inside United. And it, it ended, didn't it, last year with Jay, with um, with Marcus Rashford. Rashford getting his money. And and I totally agree that Rashford deserved an improved deal. But the problem is, is that if you're gambling the whole house on that, then you might have to go backwards before you go forwards again. And that's where we are, isn't it? Is with all these players is that you Casemiro all this money, but you're kind of saying to Casemiro, you need to be the number six you were five, six, seven years ago. It's not clever, is it, Scott? Like, and it's not, it's not, it's not rocket science. I always use that. Like, you know, you look at it, you kind of go, that's a massive risk because you only need one injury or two injuries and suddenly you're in, in a whole world of pain again. So, yeah, uh, I, th I think that, that Ineos will do this stage by stage. It's the right thing to do. And obviously, they just, they're about to allow one of United's biggest sign-ins in recent times to walk out the door for effectively not a lot of money. You told me about Baran, Oh, no, I'm about? talking about our, our oh, Jaden. Sorry, we've been sat there, sat there yeah, yeah, at yeah, Carrington yeah. day after day, eating his sandwiches on his own on the stairs, while people look at him and go, "What's going on, Jaden?" And Jaden go, "I don't know." It's just forgot we had to do this. It's like um, Grain Jill, yeah. mate, from years ago. You know, people who are old enough. It's like literally like Grain Jill. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we have to do Jaden Sancho now to cap it off. Do you know what's mad? Like, I don't know if this is like we don't know the actual terms of the deal yet. But we know it's a pretty insignificant loan fee and an insignificant coverage of his his wages. Yes, there's a chance that Wout Weghorst was a more costly deal than Borussia Dortmund's deal for Jaden Sancho. Yes, there's a chance, or it's on par. Think of yeah. how mad that is. Like I will say though, like I don't think, and I, I don't know whether you uh, have you had anything different, Rob. I don't think there's a uh, option to buy in this. No. I think that's the best option, really, yeah. to not include that. Just 
straight loan flushed, uh, you know, let him hopefully go and play for Dortmund. Although there's no guarantees, let him go play for Dortmund, hopefully increase his valuation from the floor it is currently on because United paid 70 odd, 72 million for him. Mm-hmm. And currently, they, they imagine they paid 72 million and then gave him a 70, not a 70, like a doubled his money or something like that, that he was on at Dortmund. It'd be much more manageable in comparison to maybe not even double, maybe just a little bit of a percentage increase on, on his money. It'd be much easier to sell. Probably. He might not be having to be sitting on 250, 300k a week, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good case with Anthony as well. The, 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 yeah. Why did you need to pay him so much money? Like, what does this, Oh yeah, come to United. We'll pay you as much money as you you want for life. You can just sit on this massive uh, guaranteed cash. You don't really need to hit the levels that you need to hit. Incentivize the contracts, man. Like Liverpool are fantastic at doing this. They pay lower fee, lower wages, but incentivize contracts to give players a reason to, even if they're not driven by uh, the fact that they want to be the best. At least they're given another reason to perform, and it's financial. Yeah, like the, the maybe reason, not the best way to do it, but it is really. It is the reason should always be to win. That should always yeah. be the reason. A club like Man United, like this, is the problem is with the structure. I think we're gonna have to kind of put a cap on Jaden Sancho because I think this will be the last we speak of him for a little while. Um, in the sense that I think when you look at Jaden, I still believe from the bits that I know is that United and Ten Hag have not dealt with this very well. Not not at all, at all. I do put the blame solely on Jadon Sancho. I think Jadon Sancho had the, the method and the opportunity and everything to go and do what he has to do on a football pitch. But I do also agree, Scott, like you just mentioned Anthony there, that maybe he doesn't feel he's been treated properly. Like Anthony gets in the team, has no goals, no assists after the last 30-odd games or whatever like that and gets picked. And Jadon Sancho was treading a different line. I do believe that Eric Ten Hag didn't want him at the football club. But where are we today? There's no way that you can sell this player anything close to the value that you bought him for. There is no way that any football club will pay him the wage that you decided to pay him for. I think we also must say is that when we bought Jadon Sancho, we were all very excited. Yeah, we all felt that Jadon Sancho could be your next number seven. He could be the guy that takes the club forward. And we have all been proved wrong. So there's egg on all of our faces when it comes to Jadon Sancho. But going back to Dortmund, who are in a bad moment themselves, kind of six in the Bundesliga or something like that, around there, kind of trending towards mid-table. For them, this is an opportunity to take a player who was once a hero there and kind of almost rehabilitate him. So if he has a good six months at, uh, at Borussia Dortmund, do you know what's going to be happening, Scott? If Man United trend the wrong way and Eric Ten Hag gets sacked and we've just said that that is a real possibility, Jadon Sancho will be back at Manchester United. There's no doubt about it. Do you think I, that, Do you think this? Because I'll, yes. I wanted to ask you this question, actually. Um, obviously, he's got a massive contract. The way that he has point blank refused to apologise and thinks that he's right, hmm. should that, that behaviour be tolerated by a a group that is coming in trying to raise standards. Do you think he's the fact that he's done that to any manager, you know, is that an indication that that's not the right attitude that you should have? I don't know. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm totally with you. Like I, I, I agree with that, with that aspect, but football is a weird world. And, and I'll put it into this context is that Dortmund are more than happy to have Jaden Sancho back. They're not telling Ineos that this is a problem case. They're going, well, we know this guy. We can make him play good football. So watch us. We'll take him for six months off your hands for pennies. We're not going to give you a big fee for him. You know, you're going to pay his wages. But this is better than him sitting at Carrington, stirring the pot and making things wrong. I do think that the biggest problem at Man United between Jaden Sancho and poor form somewhere in the middle is Eric Ten Hag. Somewhere in the middle. Ten Hag has not been able to get the best out of this player. And this player truly believes that he's been bespoked, is that he's not been given a crack of the whip. That's why he did that stupid tweet. Now, millionaires shouldn't do tweets like that and ruin everything because he's kind of ruined his Man United career. But one of the most consistent things that's come out the back of this story, Scott, is that Jaden Sancho believes that he's in the right place at Man United. 
He believes that he can have a career at Man United. He totally still believes that. But he was like, I'm just not doing it with this guy because I disagree with him. He disagrees with me and he's the boss. And yes, I should adhere. But I'm not going to adhere because I've got an attitude or I've got a chip on my shoulder. Or I'm not happy and I don't need to because you know what? I am a multimillionaire. That's fine. I don't need to bow down to the guy, to the man. So I think the problem here, Scott, is that if Eric Ten Hag was definitely here for the next five years, and none of this is a conversation, is it? It's just what it is. But I don't think that's the case. I think in two games' time, we could be talking about Eric Ten Hag being sacked. And then it all opens up again, doesn't it? Because if Jaden Sancho goes to the Bundesliga, gets you, I don't know, 12 assists, 15 goals, he's coming back to Man United. There's no doubt about it. Or someone will buy him for at least a decent fee that you're then recouping. You cannot give Jaden Sancho away. This is not a free transfer. This is not like a Varane who's not, not fit. The only reason Jaden Sancho hasn't played is because of disciplinary issue directly with one person. That's the manager. And that's that. And a lot of players at United are not happy about it. You know, they've backed Sancho. And that tells you a little bit. Because I think even though we've heard about, you know, Nemanja Ratic talking about Pogba and talking about Sancho and people turning up late, that's not always the full story. There's always a wider consensus. And I think Ineos will be willing to listen to everyone. I think Ineos will be going yeah, to Sanchez camp. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think they'll be going, all right, tell us what's happened. Like, you tell us. And they'll be going, well, hang on a second. Now we see a pattern of behaviour with certain players, a manager, and the manager does pick Anthony over other players. But, you know, we look at Anthony. We think Anthony's rubbish, but we like Sancho. Sancho could be a, an asset for us in terms of the wider market and winning football matches as well. Anthony doesn't feel like that at 80 million, does he, Scott? This is the manager's choice. So I think if Eric Ten Hag walks out the door for any reason, don't be surprised if then Sancho walks straight back in with a new manager who then suddenly gets form out of him. And we all go, oh, God, that tweet, what a disaster that was for that manager. It just wasn't managed properly. I'm with Eric Ten Hag. Discipline comes first. But you have also have to have flexibility that you've had with other players. You know, Anthony had quite a bad off the off the field thing happened recently, didn't he? And yes, nothing was proven, but the manager backed him every step to the way, held his hand. And within a week, he was back in the team. That was it, because that's what Ten Hag wanted. Didn't happen with the tweet with Sancho, did it? So I get that. I know that some managers like players and others don't. And I don't think Ten Hag likes Sancho. It's just the bottom line. And Sancho definitely doesn't like this manager. Personal he Personalities clash. I was just going to say, uh, he's not the only loan deal they will have to deal with in four <laughs> months' time. Uh, but we'll leave that one for another day. Well, that's coming, isn't it? And, and I think the thing is with that, that's different. But there are similarities. Is that if you take someone away and blow his up his value and then you can uh, get some money off back of that, that is better than just cancelling contracts. And they're not going to cancel Jaden Sancho, are they? They're just not going to do it. But they might have to take a huge hit on it. Let's say it goes wrong at Dortmund, Scott. Like, then you're going now. We don't want him back in the door here. And do you know what? Someone's given us 25 million and we're just going to bite their hand off it. Juventus, 25 million? Yes, off you go. We'll take that because we'll take the hit. I think they'd rather he came back and got 20 goals and 20 assists next season for Man United and maybe under Graham Potter. Right. Long show That's today. Ex that excites everyone, doesn't it? <laughs> Long show today. Um, right. Thanks for listening. Any final thoughts? No, we are. I think we're going in the right direction. And I think this is the only direction you can go under these new part owners. And let's wait and see. It's going to be so much Scott unraveling now in the next few weeks. As I said to you today, we won't even talk about football after the time. We'll just be talking about what's going on behind the scenes and what we know. Yeah, thanks for listening. As I said, thanks to Rob. I've been Scott from the Promised Land. Subscribe wherever you get your pods and follow us, watch us, subscribe to us on YouTube. Apple, uh, Spotify, etc., etc., for video and audio. And uh, like the video, leave a nice review as well on the audio platforms. Give us a five-star rating. And I never say that, but yeah, that, that's quite important, actually. Uh, five-star rating, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment on the show for us, get in touch with us on social media too, at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at TPLMUFC. And until next week, uh, we'll be back to talk about what United managed to do in the FA Cup against struggling League Two outfit, Wigan, League One outfit, Wigan. Uh, Rob doesn't feel great about that, but we'll no, see. I'm a bit worried about that. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll see that that one's for next week. But until then, uh, maybe by the time we record, well, 
likely by the time we record next, Jaden Sancho will be a Borussia Dortmund player. And maybe we get a few little extra tidbits of information coming out into the public eye as the big rebuild might actually finally begin be starting. Maybe. Finally. Hopefully. So don't get too down about it, would be my advice. Uh, and if you've made it this far, an hour and three minutes and 17 seconds. Long show. Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, until next time, from Rob and Scott, this has been The Promised Land. See you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.